Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health, freedom, and in that light, I'm always interviewing creative artists, entrepreneurs, influencers on the cutting edge, influencing and changing the world. So today, we have a very interesting guest. Um, we're going to be talking about talking all about music entrepreneurship, streaming, uh, marketing through music and songwriting. And we so we have David Coombs. He's a songwriter, entrepreneur. He's also a photographer and author. We'll talk about his book. And today it's going to be all about entrepreneurship, creativity. I'm happy to introduce Dave to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to have some interesting conversation. I just know it. I know uh, we have we had connected through Podmatch and you know we're talking backstage and you have a very interesting story and background. So tell us more about um, yourself and we'll get go from there. Well, for those of you that are uh, watching this, you'll you can see that I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've, I've lost <laughs> I lost a lot of my hair a long time ago, but uh, I still fortunately still have most of my faculties, I guess. But. Uh, <laughs> But I have been in and out of around music all my entire life. I was born uh, in back in the 40s in uh, East Tennessee. And if those of you are familiar with Tennessee, know that everybody in Tennessee seems to love music. It's the Nashville, Tennessee is Music City, USA. And I'm from East Tennessee, the same part of the country that uh, Dolly Parton is from, uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, uh, Johnny Cash, and all those. That, some of those are my distant relatives. But uh, so music has been part of me and it's probably part of my DNA from the beginning. And both of my parents played music. My grandmother Combs, she was born in 1894 and she, before electricity, she played the old pump organ where you pump the, with your feet. And she played an instrument called an auto harp, which I actually have her auto harp right here <laughs> holding it in my hand. This is hers that she willed to me when she passed away. It became my mine, and I really treasure this. It's an auto harp, yeah. but it's a, w a wonderful instrument just to make music. So yeah. uh, being around music through my entire childhood growing up and in college, I was a math major, a physics minor. I'm a kind of a, a computer geek kind of person. I love computers and technology. So that was my, my business career was in technology as a computer programmer and, and, and so forth. But all through that whole time, I still had my music. You know, as anybody that's a musician, part-time or whatever, 
you always fall back to your instrument, whether it's a guitar or a piano or a flute or violin, whatever you play, that's kind of your outlet for your creativity and your relaxation kind of thing. And it, and I love to sit down at the piano when I would get home from work and just, just play something just to relax. And so that's uh, been a big part of my life, my entire life. But in 19, and uh, I sat down at my piano one evening and I just started playing and I played a song. It was a song that I did not I did not know. I did not uh, plan to write a song. I just sat down and the music that I played turned out to be a song. And I, I, I really believe that it was a gift to me that I just simply was the one that was the first one to ever play it. And that song was in a simple little song, simple little tune, but it had a beautiful sound to it. And a couple of days later, my wife came home from her job and said, Dave, what's the name of this tune that I've got stuck in my head? And I, she hummed a little bit of it, and I said, well, it doesn't have a name. <clears throat> she said, what? You play it on the piano all the time. I said, well, it's just something I made up. I just sat down and played it. Well, she got all excited and, and said, well, have you written it down? I said, well, no, I've, I've got it in my, my mind. And she said, no, no, if, if something happened to you, I would not be able to recreate that song. So she said, please write it down. So I did. And for those of you watching, this this piece of paper that I'm holding up is what's called now called a lead sheet, but it's just the melody and the chords of the song. It has no title, it's just just some music. And this is, you know, copyright David M. Combs, 1980. Well, that was writing it down. And then you think, well, okay, that was a pretty good start. That was the first song I'd ever written, by the way. I'd never written any and I was 33 years old. And so a couple of years later, some friends of ours had a baby girl named Rachel, and they asked me and Linda to be Rachel's godparents. Mm -hmm. And of course, we accepted and, <clears throat> excuse me, and at her christening service, Linda and I were sitting there with, in the church with just the family and the minister, and up at the front of the church on the, the platform was a baby grand piano. And so uh, at the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, hey, what do you think about me going up and playing that song that we've been trying to think of a name for and, and play it in honor of Rachel. And she said, that's a great idea. So I went up and asked the family if it'd be okay and the minister and they, they said, sure. So I walk over to the piano and I sit down and I play this song. And I get most of the way through it. I hear in the audience, I hear <clears throat> people clearing their throat and a few little sniffles here. And I, I noticed that even I'm having some moisture coming out of my eyes. It's a, it's a very emotionally packed event in the first place. And this song just seemed to evoke all those emotions. And when I finished playing the music, I looked over at little Rachel in the arms of her mother. And I said, okay, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's song in her honor. Yeah. And Chris, that's how it got its name. And that was the beginning of a, uh, it's one of those seminal events in your life where that everything after that, you can point back to that event and say, boy, that really got things going in the right direction. So Rachel's song began with a name that day. And three years later, I was on a business trip. I was working in, in the, putting in computer systems in factories and with AT&T, and I was traveling to Nashville, Tennessee. Fortunately, and I think this was probably providential that I was there, that uh, Linda said, well, while you're in Nashville working, 
why don't you go and get a demo recording made of this song, Rachel's song? Okay, that sounds like a good idea. <clears throat> so one evening after work, I drive around Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm looking for a studio that might be open that I could approach somebody about doing that. Well, it was after, you know, like 6 o'clock, and as we say down in the south, sometimes they used to roll up the sidewalks at 5.30 every day. So <laughs> everybody went home. But that was not true in Nashville. Studios work around the clock. Well, I was driving around a part of town called Music Square, and it was like two or three square block areas that everything in there was music. It had the Country Music Hall of Fame, BMI headquarters, ASCAP headquarters, the RCA recording studio that you can tour and all that, everything music right in that square. And I found out at the end of a street called Roy Acuff Place, there was a big building that had a barn-shaped roof, and out front was a, a water wheel that they had moved from some mill someplace uh, in Tennessee. And the sign on the side of the building said, the music mill. I said, well, that's clever. So I pulled in the parking lot. There was a car parked there. I looked in the glass door, and there was a man at a desk. I said, okay, I found a live person here. So I went up to the door, knocked on the door, and he unlocked the door and opened it. And he says, hi, I'm George Clinton. Can I help you? And I said, sure. Now, it's, it's a different George Clinton than probably the name that came to your mind immediately. There's a lot of George Clintons. But this fellow was a recording engineer in Nashville, Tennessee. And so he invited me to come in. And I said, I told him what I was looking for was a studio to record a demo of a song that I'd written. And little did I know that that's how they make their living by and large in studios is recording demos anyway. So it was obvious that I was very green behind the ears. I didn't, I'd never even been in a studio before. So he said, let me give you a tour of the place. There's nobody recording right now. And so I'll show you around. So he said, let's go into Studio A, the big studio. So we go in there and in, in the music room, it's like a great big auditorium almost. You could fit a concert orchestra in that room. And over in the corner is a big nine foot, you know, concert grand piano, drum booths around and you know, isolation, what they call isolation booths for the vocal. Big, I was really impressive. But he said, come over here, let's go into the control room. So he, he goes over and he opens this big thick door. Now, Everything, as you probably know, in a studio is kind of soundproof and really acoustically designed. The door to the control room must have been about eight inches thick. You open this big soundproof door and we go into the control room. First thing I see is a console. Now, Chris, I'm sure you've seen these uh, recording studio consoles. They're impressive pieces of equipment. This thing was about eight feet long. It had rows and rows of sliders and, and knobs and, and buttons and wires going here and there. It turned out it, would, it was like a 32-track console. Well, I'd never seen anything like that. And I said, wow, I think you could launch a spaceship from in here because they had the recording machines all around the walls, the, the big glass soundproof window into the, to where you could see the musicians was on each side had a big uh, monitor speakers where the, the engineer could hear what was going on and really impressive. I said, George, how much does this place cost to rent? And he said, well, it's $125 an hour plus engineer. Now this was, <laughs> Chris, this was 19 and $86, $125 an hour was a lot of money. And so I obviously looked a little downhearted on that. And he says, well, don't worry about it. The fellow who owns this studio owns a tiny little studio across the street and it's $15 an hour. 
<laughs> okay. All right, George, I can do that. I said, okay, now what I need is a good piano player to play my song. Who would you recommend? He thought for a second. didn't take him long. He said, ah, no, just the person. His name is Gary Prim. Gary and I have known each other for a long time. We go to church together, and he's a wonderful keyboard player. Everybody in Nashville loves his music. I said, okay. So he said, let me give you his phone number. So he looked it up on his Rolodex and wrote it down on a piece of paper for me and gave it to me. Well, I was so excited. I hightailed it in my car right back to the hotel and called Gary Prim's number. I got his answer machine, and he called me back in about 30 minutes. And he said, this Gary, can I help you? And I said, well, I need somebody to record a demo of a song. And George Clinton said, you would do a good job. And he said, I'd be happy to. What do you need, Gary? He said, well, just send me a recording of you playing it so I'll kind of know what it sounds like and send me a lead sheet. <clears throat> I said, okay, what is, what's a lead sheet? I didn't know the lingo. <laughs> and he said, oh, it's just the melody and the chords written down on a piece of paper. I said, oh, well, I've got that at home. I just didn't know to call it a lead sheet. I got back home, mailed that all to Gary, and two weeks later, I met with Gary in this tiny little studio across the street from the music mill. And I, I wish we had time to do it here, but I want you to you can go to my book and read about it because I went in great detail in my book about this whole process because I want you to mentally be able to be in that studio with me. It's, it's, a, it's such a wonderful, creative experience. And I don't know whether, Chris, you've ever been in a recording studio or not when there's recording albums or music or new songs. It is a marvelous, inspiring experience. Well, so I meet with Gary that Friday evening, August the 22nd, 1986. Never forget it. He comes in with his synthesizer under his arm. It's a Yamaha DX7 synthesizer. It's a wonderful machine to make music. And uh, he sets that up, and, and he's sits down at this baby grand piano in this tiny little studio and starts playing my music. Now, Chris, I had never heard anybody create anything I'd ever written before but me. And so you can imagine the excitement that I felt with hearing him play my song in, in an arrangement that he had made up out of his head of how he thought it ought to sound like. It was marvelous, absolutely marvelous. So we start the recording process. He plays it through on the piano, and we get the piano part down. And if he'd have stopped right there, I'd have been happy because it was so beautiful. But he says, no, I've got, I've got some ideas for this song. Let's, let's put some other instrumentation with it. Uh, he said, I think it needs some strings, some high strings and some low strings to give it some bottom. And I said, I want to play an electric piano part along with the acoustic piano to give it a little more texture. So he, he sits down, he puts his headset on so he can listen to the original recording of his piano part playing. And then he's playing along with himself, basically, on the keyboard. So he puts down the piano track. And I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible sounding. Okay, let's, let's put some strings in there. Rewind it, put two more tracks on there for high strings. So he plays the high strings on his synthesizer. And then put the low strings in there. And then in the middle of the song, he wanted to give it a little bit extra punch. He said, let's put some horns right there in the middle of it. So we go into the middle of it, and he plays the horn part on the synthesizer. So all that put together is about, I think we used eight tracks to make the recording. And he comes in the control room. We sit, and the engineer cues it all up and plays it all together. I am just absolutely, 
I'm sure my mouth was wide open the whole time because I was blown away by what I was hearing. I had It sounded as good as any music I'd ever heard on the radio anywhere. And so I had, I was just blown away. So that was my recording experience. And I hope you'll get that, my book and read that. There's more detail in the book about it, but it is such a, a wonderful experience because now when you hear Rachel's song, and we'll tell you how to go listen to it a little bit later, but when you hear Rachel's song, what you're hearing is not a later recording of it. It is that original demo recording that I had made in that August of 19. And, and now that I've described it, you can hear, well, here's where the electric piano comes in. And oh, yeah, there's those horns Dave talked about. And here's the high strings and, the, and so forth. And so I want you to be able to close your eyes and just be sit there in the studio with me and enjoy that wonderful creative experience. Leading up to that event was absolutely a wonderful trajectory of my life. And I had no idea what was going to happen next with that song, but we'll talk more about that. That was the beginning of something really, really great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This has uh, been a fantastic. How, uh, how do people find you and follow you? Um, check out your book, um, wonderful synopsis and uh, reach out to you on, I know you're very active on social media. Well, the main place is to go to my website. It's Combs Music, C-O-M-B. And I've made it a very simple, easy to navigate website. When you get to my homepage, you'll see on the left side, you'll see a copy of my book or the, co the cover of my book. And on the right side of the page, you'll see the cover of my CD, Rachel's Song. And underneath them will, of course, be links where if you want to purchase or explore those more fully on Amazon, you go to Amazon.com from that link and you can get the book, you can get the, the tape or the CDs. And, but right in the middle of that homepage, Rachel's song is such an important part of this story. I have decided to put it up there for free. You can click on a link that says play Rachel's song and it will download for you an MP3 file and you can play Rachel's song. And it is the original demo recording I just talked about. Awesome. So go to Combs Music when you want to, to physically look and find my music. Now, if you're not near a computer and you just want to listen to things, most people do streaming these days. Well, if you're on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music or iHeartRadio or Pandora, any of those, you just say, hey, you know who? <laughs> Play Rachel's song by Gary Prim. He needs to use Gary Prim's name because he's the artist. I'm the composer, but Gary Prim is the artist. So play Rachel's Song by Gary Prim. And just like that, you'll be listening to Rachel's Song, that same original recording on every streaming media you can find out there. So, so just search for Rachel's Song and Gary Prim, the artist, or you can find a lot of things even with my name, Dave Combs. But it's very, very simple, easy to do. And I hope that all of your listeners will listen to that and many other of my songs. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, be sure to check out um, David's resources, which will be including the links and show notes. Be sure to check out his book. Follow him on social. He's on YouTube, um, all the major media channels, and check out his website. And with that, thanks so much for an inspiring story and coming on to the show. Well, thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. And maybe we can do some, if you get a lot of good feedback and people want to hear some more, we can do some more later. Sounds good. Thanks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.